Welcome to the Dig Endurance Podcast, where we are all about digging deep and discovering the power of emotional resilience. I'm Aaron, and I'm joined by my brother, Sean. As endurance athletes and business owners, we have learned a thing or two about facing and overcoming adversity. We are here to share inspiring stories from our guests that will help you to find that inner strength when you feel like you are running on empty. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Welcome back to the Dig Endurance Podcast. Today, we have an excellent guest, Peter Riojas. We've known Peter for a few years. Peter works with us. He's our lead counselor for our IOP program, which is our intensive outpatient program. We're very excited to have him today. Um, We want to chat with him about um, some of his story, his background, and then we'd like to chat about what we do here and um, the groups that he leads and the kids that he's able to help. And um, yeah, we're excited to chat with you today, Peter. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. We've talked in the past that, you know, outside of DIG, we have Forward Family Services, which is we provide behavioral and mental health services to individuals and families in the Central Valley, Hanford, Fresno, Clovis. We serve now over 200 families with psychotherapy, applied behavior analysis, and intensive outpatient services. And Peter uh, is the lead counselor for our intensive outpatient services. Which covers addiction and mental health. Yeah. Just wonderful. It is currently our smallest service, but it is rolling like a little snowball right now. <laughs> we are, uh, it's, not, it's not an easy service to, to get dialed in on, but for the last year we've been we, we got started, yeah, almost a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've gone now to about, I think we've built up to about 15 or so between mm-hmm. adult and adolescent on a consistent basis. Uh, and the way these works, is, uh, these are groups that you conduct, right, Peter? Yes. And um, Sean and I just finished what's, what's called the DHCS certification application where once we get this approved, we are in network with insurance companies to be able to provide this service, just like if someone goes to a hospital or a dentist office in network, same thing. And we would be one of only three, I believe, that provide intensive outpatient services cool. in the Central Valley. Much needed, and we'll talk about that a little more, but we're grateful to have, we actually got to a point now where you're now our first full-time employee yeah. Yeah. on the IOP side, which is cool, which is which is really awesome that we are at that point now. That was not a hard decision. And <laughs> tell us a little bit, we wanna hear more about your your story. What what motivated you, you know, toward mental health and what you do, and just a little bit about, you know, some of your history. And, you know, uh, on, on DIG, we talk about overcoming adversity, overcoming challenges. And um, I think you have a, a good story and a good background to, to share about some of that and and to potentially talk about what what it is as part of that story that got you involved in the mental health sphere and what you do with, with IOP. And also, before I forget, you just you also just recently graduated with your bachelor's degree, right? Yes, yeah. I did. Congrats. Yes, cool. thank you. That's That's exciting. Huge. Yeah. And what was it in bachelor's and what was it again? Uh, it's a bachelor's in worship ministries. Worship ministry. Okay. Yes. Cool. So it's a, it was a theological seminary school. And, um, you know, I, so I got to learn a lot about theology, 
uh, I like playing a lot of music and and so I learned more about worship ministries and what that looks like and doing live events and and kind of doing stuff that I already do um, but yeah it was great it was a great experience it, it's accredited and uh, now I'm looking on to are you playing in a band are you uh, in a band right now I, I play, play at churches? no I play at churches I play okay. at my church at my home church and and I've I've helped out a, a couple other local churches around here. Awesome. And, we uh, should have had you solo it for us today. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the guitar? You play the guitar? Uh, yeah, I play acoustic. Uh, I sing. I play bass. Uh, I play a little bit of keys, but uh, and I also get to work with a little bit of um, DAWs, so like uh, digital audio workstations. Cool. Yeah. It's awesome. Are you playing in groups at all? Uh, no, I haven't yet. I, <laughs> I could. I totally could bring my guitar over. I would over. love that. Yeah, I probably that'd would. Yeah, that'd be fun. So that's that's yeah, big big milestone to get your bachelor's. That that feels good. And now we're on the precipice of really growing our IOP program even more. So there's lots yeah. of exciting stuff to come. So in that vein, tell us tell us a little more. Just let's dive into your story, your background, a little more about you, and then what what it is about that story that drew you toward mental health and and IOP. Yeah, of course. So um, for me, I definitely. Um, I have a story of redemption, <laughs> you know, uh, a Perfect. huge redemption story. Um, so I feel like I had a pretty good childhood. Um, you know, I was raised in this area and uh, my parents split up when I was younger. I was they were I was probably about seven. They divorced. So um, a lot of back and forth between mom and dad's house. Mm. But um, at dad's house, he had rules, you know, and and. Uh, expectations expectations and and at mom's house she had rules too but but i was able to i learned how to manipulate at a younger age <laughs> you know and i learned how to how to really get away with things hmm. and uh fast forward you know in the, in the high school i had what most people would call like the cool mom you know and uh, so I was. I, I like to I'm hang cool out. Mom. Yeah, I, I like to hang out at my mom's house because I was able to. She wasn't like other moms. She was a cool mom. Mean yeah, girls. She's gotcha. Famous mean girls. Yeah. Right so, so like so at my mom's house, I was able to like have. It was a kick it spot. You know, all my friends would come over. I grew up in Selma, so it was a small town. Mm. Uh, all my friends were able to come over. I, I hung out with a much older crowd, mm. and um, I got into into drinking and smoking weed at a, at an early age. What age? Uh, I probably like. 13 wow. 14 there wow. we go yeah yeah so i started at young I, my mom didn't know about it at first um but i say i had the cool mom because by the time i was in high school and and a little bit after high school um she kind of knew what was going on and, and she had her you know her own things going on she was in a lot of broken relationships yeah. and uh she i say she was a cool mom too because uh she was gone a lot you know we were kind of latchkey kids so I was able to just kind of hang out at home and it was a small town, not, not much was going on. So all my friends were older. So mm -hmm. we just all kind of babysat ourselves and, uh, gotcha. you know, hung out and sounds like the life party. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at the time <laughs> it was, it was, uh, great for me, but, um, that obviously progressed and it led into me experimenting, experimenting with a lot of different, um, drugs and stuff and, and, uh, hanging out with shady crowds. You know, I I was a pretty good kid overall, but again, like I've always been into music. I was into going to concerts, like punk shows and hardcore shows. So, you know, with everything that comes with that, that lifestyle, I was, uh, I got into to getting in trouble a lot. Mm. And um, so fast forward by, by the age of, of 20, I'm, um, 
I'm, I'm already dabbling with pills and uh, I got addicted to Oxycontins. And uh, so this is like 2010 and this is around when, when Oxycontins are about to become the, extinct. The original Oxycontins. Yeah, so I was doing the original uh, OC okay. 80s. Back in the day. And, um, and uh, eventually when those became extinct, I graduated to heroin Oof. and, and uh, meth. And so, and even my, my using like, like, you know, with addiction, like it, it was progressive. And so this, this didn't happen over, overnight. It was like, you know, it started from when I was probably about 13 and then I eventually, I, I used till I was about 28 years old. And, um, um, like I said, I was going in and out of programs or, or I didn't get to that part yet, but I'm, I'm using heroin and meth. Uh, my using progressed from, from the way I was ingesting it, you know, from, from uh, just smoking it, which was like the safe way to do it. And then eventually like I, I graduated to uh, intravenous use. And, uh, right. and so I'm mixing, I'm, I'm doing a lot, I'm, I'm hanging out with even shadier crowds. I'm, I'm doing a lot of shady things to get um, my fix, you know. And uh, by the time I was, I wanna say 22, I would go to my first rehab. And- So uh, let's, let's take a step back real yeah, quick then. Yeah. 13 yeah. so middle school high school it was it more just the you know weed drinking or did it did it used to graduate a little bit during high school to other things um so i would say the all the way up to to probably my senior year of high school i, I only stuck to weed and alcohol okay um Is, was that something that you said your dad was pretty pretty disciplined but your mom was a little more a little laid back or you could manipulate things more yeah what was did that ever pop on the radar of the parents or anything where, where there was try to be some intervention or were you, were you pretty much, Hey, I, I'm able to, to swing this and make it, you figured out a way to kind of work the system throughout high school. I did. Um, so a lot of it came with the crowds I was hanging out with, you know, my, my friends, I was, uh, again, we were in a small town that was our idea of fun was skating and smoking weed, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. like drinking whenever we could find someone to buy it for us. Mm -hmm. Um, when I would go to my dad's, I wasn't able to just take off and hang out with my friends. Mm -hmm. So I learned very quickly, like I'd rather stay at mom's house. Uh, my mom probably caught me a couple of times where I was under the influence. What did that look like when she caught you? Um, I mean, what would she say or would she say anything? Or was it just kind of like, hey, look, just sweep it under the rug, look the other way or what? She, she would give me like a stern talking to, I'd probably get grounded. And then I, uh, I would kind of talk my way out of it, you know. I just, I, I, I got, I got used to knowing what worked of, of how to just get by to get mom off my back, say the right things, yeah. make the right promises, sort yeah. of thing, yeah. And and so I learned that early on. And as far as she knew, if she didn't see you at least drunk or high anymore, she didn't. She figured you're maybe not doing it. Yeah, out of sight, out of mind. Gotcha. So that was, and that was, that happened even well into. So again, like it wasn't until about like my senior year. A little bit after, and like the year after, when I started experimenting with um, harder drugs, and uh, the way that progressed, you know, just going to parties, being a kid, I guess. So just looking for the more excitement, yeah, you know, growing up, so, being with friends, whatever. Yeah, and I think I also need to highlight that. So, so what my mom had modeled before me, up to that point, was I saw her go through a lot of broken relationships, and those progressively got worse. And so 
my idea on, on what a relationship looked like was very skewed. Again, I'm, I was young, but um, I didn't have really very many healthy relationships with, with any girls that I was dating or anything at the time. And so I didn't have good coping skills either. So that was the way that I coped with breakups, that I coped with life. I felt like I was able to, to be part of, a, of the crowd. You know, I had, I had like, I get huge FOMO like fear of missing out, you know? And so, so um, alcohol and drugs was my way of connecting with others. Yeah. And, and it made me, and I learned, um, I would dabble with like selling a little bit, but it was mainly just to support my habit. And so that made me feel connected to a lot so of other people. It was, it was primarily social for you, Yeah, but a little bit also if it was a hard day or something bad happened, that was an easy fallback to, for comfort or yeah. to help we you know, feel better. Yeah. You know, attachment styles come from your parents, right? The way you're raised and stuff. And so obviously you're exhibiting the exact attachment style that you were exactly you know, exposed and to as a kid. That's interesting. During that time, like growing up, up to your senior year, did it ever feel, I mean, was there anything at all? I mean, mom would sit you down maybe here or there. Dad, sounds like dad maybe didn't know. Cause you were, you probably knew better that dad, you didn't want him to get any trace. It sounds like maybe of what you were doing or no? Um, yeah. So, so, it, it, my my mom would sit me down and talk to me a lot. Um, my dad, I, I tried to keep them. I tried to keep both of them in the dark as much as I could. Yeah. I, I have to say, like, um, it there it wasn't exactly a problem in high school until it wasn't like a problem until after high school. Until me. you started pushing the envelope with it, more things. Yeah, because I did have a long a lot of bouts of like sobriety without working a program you know but i but i had periods of where because again i was into a lot of hardcore music and, and punk music and so like there was moments where i was like part of the straight edge scene you know i was like oh yeah i'm claiming edge like i'm not drinking or smoking and you know i'm not doing any of that stuff um there were times where i would get with with certain girls that maybe didn't like part of the partying lifestyle so i was able to put things down for a while you know and, and it wasn't like a big issue again until i tried coping with life as it started hitting me and like I started going through more breakups yeah I started losing friends I started pushing people away because I'm I'm starting to use drugs and there and people are starting to see like I think there's an issue here you know like, yeah I think like there's something wrong with this guy gotcha you know like he, he like I wasn't able to moderate like I was like I always had to take it way too far but that's where it's so and it was it was senior <laughs> year or a little after senior year where that started to kick in where you started pushing the envelope and we started getting more to the point of like hey so I guess what was the first time where it was like, you know, some kind of intervention or, or like this is getting too much. When, yeah. when, when did that start to be on the radar? Um, so, so when that started to be on the radar was, uh, I, so again, I was selling to kind of support my habit. Um, I remember I had a bottle of, this is when Oxy's, they, they changed the, the, to they were no longer OCs. Now they're OPs. Mm. And uh, I had like a, a bottle of probably a hundred or more in, in my desk and um, I'm selling those. And I, I, I took off to the store or something and it was one of those days, I think my mom was starting to get like, starting to catch on of like, I think he's, you know, doing something else. And uh, I came home, I saw that the bottle was gone from my drawer. And so I'm freaking out. Uh, I, I'm asking my mom, I'm like, hey, did you take something of mine? I found out she flushed all these pills and I'm freaking out because I'm like, you just lost me like thousands of dollars. Like I'm, mm. that was so much money. And and then um, again, knowing how to manipulate, 
they're, 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 she's invited my dad over to the house. They're having this stern talk with me. I'm feeling like intervention about to come on. And so I, uh, by that time I'm already using I think, I think I was using heroin already. And, and I, and that was when I confessed to them. I was like, Hey, like, um, I needed those cause it was supporting this other thing. Uh, and, and I think I need help. But it, but at the time, again, like I did want the help. But at the same time, it was like I knew this is going to get them off my back. Mm. So it was when I went to my first rehab, and uh, and I did that numerous times. So it wasn't necessarily with the intent to really drop it. It was just to kind of get them off your back more. Yeah, gotcha. And and so again, you know, like I'm I'm experiencing all these character defects. I'm 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 knowing how to manipulate. I'm uh I'm uh being completely selfish and self-absorbed, and um. That continued for for a long time, you know, and and I, my 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 disease progressively, and then addiction, like it got worse and worse. Nothing about going to those. Did you go to the rehabs like you said you I would? did? Um, and was was there anything about those that I mean, you are you obviously had the wrong intention to begin with, but but nothing about them when you were there was like maybe I should stop. Nothing really stood out to you or, or yeah. So so first rehab I went to, it was great. I made a lot of great connections. I had I made a lot of good friends. I met some good people. I was somewhere it was up at a Diablo Valley Ranch and it was, that's so that's near uh, Clayton. And uh I met some great dudes over there and and uh I was I was doing really well there. I, I stayed there about thirty days and then someone came in to the program, had brought some some uh, heroin with them. And, uh, you know, me and about like 10 other guys got kicked out because it was, it, everyone was like getting stuff from him mm. and, uh, and it was very apparent. And so I got kicked out of there, but even then I, I tried to lie to my parents and I was like, I, I got caught smoking weed. Mm. And so, you know, like, and so I'm on a train back to Fresno and, uh, that kind of spiraled into like this whole belief. I thought that as long as I stayed in Fresno, I could not get sober. I was like, I, I, I thought like, and so I, again, I went through various programs, um, and a lot of most of the time it was to get my parents off and back. It wasn't until about when did you first go to that first one? What year was that? Like, or what whereabouts? I, I want to say it's such a blur. I think I was twenty-two, so that must have been twenty-twelve. Okay, I think twenty-twelve, some somewhere in, in gotcha around, around then. Okay, and uh, again, like that. So that behavior kind of continued. I, I can I can go on forever about like how many programs I went to, mm -hmm. but. Um, I remember, like the big change happened. In, um, so I've always been pretty good at working. Like I had a good work ethic, and so so I have to say that because like uh, by 2015 I got into wildland firefighting. Hmm. You know, I, and so again going with my thought that I couldn't get sober here in Fresno, um, that was my way of like getting sober. Where I would I was like I got to take off. I got to get get out of here. So I started doing firefighting. And uh, I would leave up to Oregon, Washington, and and I would stay there for so many months out of the year, mm. um, get clean, and then come back, and I'd have all this money, and you know gotcha. I'd blow it, and I'd, I'd start going, yep. in this vicious cycle. Gotcha. <clears throat> um, by uh, by 2017, I I um, you know I had done that from about 2015 to 2017, continuing in that in that cycle. And, and around then was when I started realizing like, okay, like this is, this is too much of a problem. I, like by this point, I already, I have a, a son, I, ha I had a son and I, it wasn't like registering in my mind, you know, that I had responsibilities, that I had all these things that I take care of because my addiction is through the roof at this point. When was your son born? My son was born in 2012. So th oh. that, I think that also was 
I would say that was also one of the reasons when I went to the first rehab, I remember um, my son's mom was pregnant at the time. So, so you know, families visited me over there too. And, and so he was born in 2012 uh, in August. And and uh, I feel like I'm all over the place here a little bit, but just, it's such a haze, you no, know, thinking okay. back on all this stuff. Um, but again, like I said, you know, just completely selfish, self-absorbed. And none of that was registering to me and it, until about... Uh, 2017, like I said, like, and he's five now. Yeah, he's yeah. five. He's always five at this point. Um, my family is tired of of me back and forth, back and forth. You know, I've gone through numerous rehabs, uh, and and I remember that uh, I had went through a lot of relationship issues, and and I, I there was a point where I realized I was like, okay, like, if I ever want to have the things that I want in life, like if I'm ever going to be a good dad. If I'm ever gonna have a, a good relationship, uh, something's got to change, and like I, I, I gotta, I gotta get sober. I gotta clean up. And uh, but I had tried, like I said, I went through so many programs, and I was like, I don't know if this is working. I don't know if what, what's going on. Like most of the time, I didn't have the intention to get to get right. Um, but uh, and I was, I was starting to go crazy, like legit. I was going into psychosis, you know, and and I'm hearing voices. And, and I'm and I'm like just out of my mind hmm. and I remember getting to this point where I'm, I'm broken I'm, I'm trying to I'm, I'm I'm depressed you know I'm, I've got all these mental health issues um, I wanted to kill myself and uh, so it, this sounds like the equivalent of your rock bottom story a little bit but you're yeah, you're you've, you've reached your point where yeah. you're kind of the breaking point <clears throat> so I, I, and, and that was the thing is i had so many bottoms it's it's hard to say which which one it was that that brought me to um that's a very accurate statement having yeah like a lot I, of people say rock bottom i'm like maybe I don't, know, I don't know many people with one rock bottom i think you have multiple yeah the way the bottoms. way the way you're phrasing it it sounds like it finally hit this point about 2017 where you'd hit it so many times <laughs> Where finally it just clicked that it's just like, what am I doing? Yeah. How do I finally break through? I need to change something. How do I change it? But like now it's just really peaking. And, yeah. And it's just like the realization finally just smacked, it seems like. Yeah. And so, and so, and by this point too, you know, um, my, my mom's been, been doing great for a long time. She, you know, she stopped getting into all these like abusive relationships she found god she uh got really involved with this church my, my home church now adventure and um she's she's going to she's going pretty consistently and i remember she's like wanting me to go with her all the time and i'm kind of like uh i became open to to that and and uh i got surrounded with some really good people mm. that was when i really learned like the the importance of community and um Again, like just a lot of back and forth. And I remember around, like I said, 2017, I, I reached this breaking point and uh, I'm just, I'm broken. I'm ready to, to change my life. Um, I, I, I think I ended up going to a rehab that I, I, I did good for, it was the beginning of 2018, sorry. Tw January 2018, I got into a rehab over here in Fresno. It was called Quest House. Uh, it was a state, all, all the rehabs I went to were state funded, you know, yeah. by this time, like I'm off my parents' insurance, so I couldn't get 
uh, medical assisted treatment anymore. Like I couldn't get on Suboxins. I couldn't get all these things that were going to help my withdrawals. Um, no comfort provider. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I, I saw like now I'm, I'm on, I'm on Medi-Cal. And so every place I'm going to, they're like, no, like, you're going to just sit in a room and kick. And, uh, There's a jumpsuit. <laughs> yeah, and, and and so like you know we got a, a shower. It's got great water pressure and and hot water. And so just you know I went to Cap to their detox. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, you know so I, I hence the jumpsuit comment. Exactly. You know just being in scrubs and everything. It, it's it's oh, scrubs. There you go. Scrubs. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and so it's really fun. So I remember going going there and uh, like I said, getting connected to some some great people. I, I had some. I met like two or three of my best friends that are still my good friends to this day while I was there. And, um, at Adventure? Uh, at, 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 um, at Cap. At Cap. And, then, okay. and we went through Quest House together. And um, at that point, I was now very open to, to going to Adventure. I was going to church regularly. Uh, I started developing a community of people there. I still had a lot of struggles. Like I said, it was a lot of back and forth, but that was like the first time that I tried to actually get sober. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then it wasn't until August uh, a few, because I ended up relapsing, and then August of 2018 was when I ended up, uh, I was really at my wit's end. Like I, that was when I had like a spiritual experience. Like I, and, and this is, you know, I can't talk about my story without bringing God into it. You know, um, uh, I, I legit was going out of my mind and, and and everything I boiled to it, it was, it was at this point, it was like every time I picked up, you know, I was hearing voices. It was like, it was almost overnight where I would, I would hear voices. I would, uh, was going, getting depressed, was just going out of my mind. And uh, anyway, August of 2018, I remember having this spiritual experience. Uh, it was like a Holy Spirit moment where uh, I felt like God had answered, finally answered my prayers. And, and I had this conversation with the Holy Spirit and he was like, if you want what I have for you, then like you have to stop fighting me, you know, just, and you really like, it was like a weekend thing, but like I was, cause I was, you know, I'm stubborn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going back and forth <laughs> with him a lot. And uh, he said, if you want what I have for you, just, you know, put effort into this, like put effort into, into this. And like, if you want the life that I have in store for you, um, there's a lot you have to do. Like getting sober is just the first part, you know, like mm. there's so much more that you don't understand yet. But, but, um, that was my first big wake up moment. I ended up going into teen, into teen challenge, um, like, uh, on that Monday. Wow. And, um, I stayed there for 16 months and, uh, I did really great in that program and long time. yeah, that was a long time. Yeah. You know? And so, so I was there for, for about a year and a half almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I stayed, I, I wasn't court ordered or anything. I stayed the extra four months, you know, to help out. And, um, by the time I got out, I, uh, this whole time there, I mean, you didn't have your phone or nothing like that. So I went 16 months with the, or I went 12 months without a phone. Then they step you no. up to having a phone. <laughs> I went 13 months without a phone. It wasn't until the last month that you were there that you were able to have your phone wow. on you, Got even it. as a, even as like a person helping out. That's a long time. It is. It was a very long time. Especially They're pretty well. successful programs. Yeah. And I think we have a co-friend, right? Yeah. Alex. Yeah. And, and, um, so, so I went to this program. They helped me out a lot. It really helped me develop my relationship with God. Um, so I, it was like a spiritual launch pad. And, th- and from there, uh, like I said, I stay connected with, with good people. You go that long without a phone. You go that long with, you know, like everyone that was toxic for me was kind of vetted out of my life. Mm. Um, I stay connected with 
with uh, my friend from church. Uh, and he's actually here, Jake. <laughs> um, I, I say it. connected with my buddy Jake. Um, I say connected with two of my friends that that I met from various programs that were sober the whole time. And uh, again, like I developed a, a solid community, and and um, they just kind of came alongside me. And and it was there that I realized I was like, you know, I I have a desire to help people I like I, people gave me you know I felt like I had a second chance at life and so it was it was from there that I that I um, was given a lot of opportunities where like like I said I, I felt like I always had good work, work ethic but I, I really learned about integrity over there and how to um, how to work like just yeah just having integrity and um, sorry I'm so <laughs> you're good would you say that your rising moment came from like the rigorous structure of Teen Challenge, or was it God enveloping your program and then it evolving outside of Teen Challenge? I mean, how did you get to a point where you're progressing, where you, you start to hit your stride? Yeah, um, so so definitely um, God was, was a huge factor and, and the, the main factor in and my- Teen Challenge is Christian-based, yeah, correct? Yeah, Teen okay. Challenge is a Christian-based. Christian um, so I really developed my relationship with God um, I stay connected with with friends that were sober, and and so even even through again, I believe Teen Challenge is a great program. But even through this program, uh, they don't work twelve steps. They don't do anything with with uh, recovery. Um, but I had friends that I knew from various programs where I'd been to meetings. I knew about stuff like that, and so I knew that I was the type of person that I needed all the help that I can get. So I stay connected with all these with these people, and on my breaks, I was going. I was going to meetings, you know, I'm getting connected with a sober community because I needed to have a safety net when I got, got out of Teen Challenge. Got it. It's, it sounds like, obvi obviously there's purging the substance abuse aspect. Oh, that's obvious, I think. Uh, but what we've heard reiterated on our podcast here that I think you tapped into as well is you changed, Fres it wasn't, Fresno that's the problem per se no. <laughs> but it was but it, and I've heard that before people want the change of scenery and I understand why like sometimes just going to a different place or things that you're not familiar with just shaking it up helps yeah but at the end of the day you people have a hard time changing their friends yeah or who they surround themselves with not even and I'm not talking just drug addicts I've you know I, I'm not a drug addict I never was uh, you know but there were people who I held on to in my life for too long who were holding me down or holding me back in ways but I always justified it because oh but you know but they're my elementary middle school high school friend I've they've been my friend for 20 years yeah well, yeah, and for 20 years they've been a crappy friend Aaron <laughs> like that's that's what I finally had to realize like they and again, not in drug ways, but 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 when it came down to like standing up for me or being loyal, I look back every time and realized they actually rode the fence every, not most times, not sometimes, every time. Yeah. <laughs> when they could have like stood up for me or like been a really good friend, and then just among other things like that, and it's like, and I had a couple points where I was like, yeah, I, why why am I keeping them again? And then I lose them, and and honestly. It's so refreshing. Yeah. The, like just the stress from having that person in my life is just gone. And, and it, it did take, 
you know, hey, you know, honestly, dude, like, we're done. Yeah. You know, I, I and it and it sounds maybe sad to say, but it's and, you know, you don't have to be a jerk about it. But I just. I think that's people's problem is they think that no matter what, you are being a jerk. You are being the bad guy about it. And some people who are bad friends like to twist that and make it seem that way. You just have to be mature enough to realize and say, hey, I'm not better off with you in my life. Um, And I got to make a change. And for me, in my situation, I had to do that directly. It needed to be a, hey, man, you go your way. I'll go mine with a couple people. Yeah. And in your situation, I don't know if that's what it took. But at the same time, at the end of the day, I think that with with coming through or, or overcoming abuse, substance abuse, you do have to find a new community or, or a new group of people. Your circle gets yeah. smaller as yeah. you get lose, older, lose right? Lose the old circle and then find people that will support but you. But there's more value and, in And hold circle. you up. And that's that purge is, is just as important, if not more important, than the actual purge of the substance abuse <laughs> itself, probably. Yeah, you know? I, yeah I'm, I'm really glad you touched on that. Um, yeah, so about the you know me having to get out of fresno all the time that wasn't the case i got you know i went through teen challenges in reedley Mm -hmm. so it was you know i I stopped running from from what i thought was my problem i was able to start facing my uh facing this area that that like my fears and um yeah i had to switch up my my circle of friends obviously i couldn't go to like the dope spot anymore and be like hey how's it going guys um i uh I'm able to love people that I, I know people that I, I used to run around with, but I'm able to love them from afar and I, I'm like rooting from them from, from afar. And, sure. and there's some of them that I'm glad to say that I've seen. I'm like, Oh, like we used to do a lot of dumb stuff together. And, and oh, yeah. it's so great to see you doing good now. That's um, the fun part about living it, in Fresno. Yeah, it is. It, <laughs> you get to see them. So it's, it's pretty cool to see that happen. Um, but I did, I, I had to switch up my community. I had to switch up everything. I mean, I had to get to a point where I, I switched everything about me. You know, like I had to, I had no life skills. So I had to relearn how to, how to manage my, my time. You know, like sure. I didn't know how to o- occupy my time without using. That was what I, that was my full-time job, you know? And so, so I learned how to occupy my day and and how to start being proactive about my mental health you know i I eventually uh i I started setting the best thing i was able to do was i started setting goals and so by the time i got out of teen challenge i uh like the last month i was there they were like they told me about the school that i that i just graduated from and um they were like hey you know we're gonna let you start this school if you want to and I found out it was accredited, and I was like, I went in with the idea. I was like, yeah, it'll be easy, like cool. Uh, it was not easy, <laughs> but uh, but I, I'm glad that I did it. I learned a lot, and uh, I started setting goals like that. I knew that it was going to take at least three years. It, it took four years because you know the track that I was on, it wasn't sure. it wasn't created yet. Um, so I, I I started setting long term goals. You know, I I surrounded myself with a, a group of people that that had what I wanted and you know as far as not like necessarily monetarily things but having like you know I have a sponsor and he has a, uh, an amazing family you know I, I have friends that all have like things that that I that I admire about them like that I'm like I, I wanted that I didn't have you know I didn't have a family that like I didn't have a I didn't have a wife I didn't, I didn't have custody of my son I didn't have uh, my own place you know my sure. own car I didn't have all these things that I'm like so I need to surround myself with people that that are gonna help project me in that area or yeah. in that in that direction yeah 
And and so I did people that. People who share the same goals or vision that you now have. Yes. That people that are gonna support you to get there. Yeah, and so so I, I did that. I, I surrounded myself with, with people that, um, in my community that, that had all those things that were gonna, had the same values, had the same um, direction. So you complete this teen challenge, you're going through your college program, you found, you've got goals and a new purpose, you've got people that you now surround you, you shed some old groups of people, you find a new community, and obviously you start to turn a new page and yeah. you, you start to feel some, some difference here. And how does that, so when did it, when did you first kind of get connected to, we have a few minutes, but IOP and like getting involved with programs like that. Yeah, so um, after Teen Challenge, I got, to, I got to stay with my buddy. I was living with him for, for about six months. Um, during that time, I w am in school full time and I'm looking for work. I, I found a job and, and I started working as, as a driver at a, at a facility, mm -hmm. um, which was substance abuse related. And and uh, I climbed my way up through the ranks. As as I was there, like I'm, I'm just driving a, a lot of clients around, mm -hmm. and, and I, I'm having a lot of one on one conversations with them. And and I'm like, wow, I see so many of these people coming in that were in the same shoes that I was. Sure. And uh, and I, I saw myself in, in so many of these clients. Sure. And I was like, man, like I wish you know I could just share all my experiences, all everything that I that I know with you, and and like. You're I trying wish, to give him a leg up. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and, I, and again, like, the best thing my family ever did was, like, tell me no. You know, they stopped enabling me. And so, so me trying to, to come alongside these people and, and explain this to them and get them to understand, I'm like, man, I wish someone would have, I wish I can go back to my old self and, like, just shake myself and be like, mm -hmm. wake up, dude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. And, and uh, so I realized that I, I really had this heart for, like, wanting to help people. Um, so, again, I'm, I'm driving, I'm doing, I'm essentially doing what a counselor does, but like on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Because you have this time with these people in the car. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and then I, I'm like, a, I became a sober living house manager. So now I'm living with, with a group of guys mm -hmm. and, and also working at a facility. Um, I got the opportunity to run a group one day and, and, uh, cause somebody didn't come in. So I started doing that and it went great. You know, and I, I just ran with it. Like anytime they were like, "Hey, do you want to fill in for this group?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, put me in," and and I started running groups, and and it went really well, and uh, I I just I learned everything. I tried to learn everything that I could learn at this facility, and um, I I knew I, I knew by doing that, like I was like, "This is this is where my heart's at." Like, how does it feel to take your past experiences and put those to use to help other people uh, that are struggling with some of those same things, and to try to give them like you said, to shake them or to try to help them avoid pitfalls or things that you've done. How does that, how does that feel for you to be able to have that, that opportunity? I, I love it. I mean, yeah. honestly, I, I've, I've, uh, you know, I, I kind of wish I wouldn't have spent so much time on like getting messed up and I'm like been, been more on, on the, I've achieved so many things now and I know it's like all glory to God. And also, um, you know, just giving, having people that believed in me and, and like giving me this opportunity um, today, you know, I, I obviously you guys know I work I work for you guys now at the IOP program, and um, I get to see, you know, it's helped push me as a counselor. Whereas like I'm not solely focused on substance abuse, but but I know that there's a lot of mental health issues that go in with it and and um, 
it goes hand in hand. And so I see. And I think your story's checked a lot of the boxes of those things yeah. that go hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and so it's pushed me as a counselor now where I'm like, you know, it's not always substances that are the issue. They are a problem. But like I know that there's a lot of underlying issues. And They're more the symptom of the underlying issues, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so and that's what and that's what I realized too was like I wasn't I wasn't like when I was getting messed up, it wasn't because I just wanted to get messed up. I'm like, yeah, eventually I, I did, but there were underlying issues. There were underlying like problems that I had that that I had that I wasn't able to vet out that I that were unresolved. There always there always are. Yeah, and yeah. And so now like I, I see that now and, and I and I see um people come in and I'm like, man, like I want you to see that there's this underlying issue and like let's learn some coping skills because that can hopefully prevent a catastrophe later on you know i i've had so many friends that have passed away from overdoses i i'm literally i'm going to a funeral on monday one of my good friends passed away wow. and and uh it's just if i can if i can help prevent one person from from going down that path sure then then i, I would that's where my heart's at so what do you say in, in, in closing to the person or to the family that is in those same shoes that's struggling, that's kind of in the proverbial rut that you kind of found yourself in and who maybe doesn't know about IOP or considers programs like that or is trying to make a change or is trying to, to climb out or move forward. Yeah. What do you what do you say to that person at that juncture right now? Um. I would say, you know, we, so we are a, a solid resource and, and I, I hope that people would utilize us and, and utilize this facility. We're not the only one, but uh, we are a pretty good one. <laughs> um, I think that what we try to do here is we provide a safe place for people to come and to talk about their problems. Um, it's not always, it doesn't always have to be about substance abuse. You know, a lot of it, like I said, there's underlying issues and mental health issues. Um, be proactive. Be proactive in your mental health. Be proactive in 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 seeking help. Like there's, you can never have too much help. Um, be, pro, be proactive <laughs> to me equates to like take ownership. Yeah, Ta taking ownership. Um, I, I would say that the main takeaway for me from your story today is, and I know we've talked about this before, Aaron, it's interesting how we have this circle as we're younger and mm -hmm. start to get older and the output is right here, right? We've measured the output of that social circle or our support circle. And as it becomes exponentially smaller as we get older, the value from that circle as it shrinks becomes exponentially more valuable. Yeah. That is what I take from your story. But if you choose the wrong circle, it becomes exponentially more harmful. Yeah, absolutely. You, you uh, someone told me that we are the sum of who we hang out with, you know, and that's and that's true. Like birds of a feather flock together. You know, um, who who's in your circle will show you who you are, and um, so yeah, we. I, and I, IOP I, is a chance. Yeah, IOP to, is a chance to build part of a new circle, right? Yes. And, and it's, it's a place where you can get connected with other people. There's a um, huge social aspect. Yeah, there's what's yeah, wonderful. It's the thing again. Like it's a safe place where people can come in, share their feelings, share their problems, and we can work on ways to try and cope with them. I I wish that I would have had these res resource when I was younger. You know, like if I had a safe place to go when I was younger, that that where I was able to to um, talk about certain problems, I may not have went down a certain path. 
you know. Uh, Listening to your story, I think that there's lots of programs, lots of resources out there, uh, Forward Family Services, us included. But to me, just listening to your story, I, I think I like the takeaway of what you said of be proactive. I think it was m- my takeaway from your story is it was kind of like Peter blown in the wind <laughs> for however many years, just kind of wherever the wind takes me. Yeah. And then, listen, we're I, I'm religious also. And I've, I've had those moments, very real moments. They're rare, but they're real where I've, it's like literal words that I, that I've also had. But regardless that shakeup moment or that moment can be different for everyone. The reality is when you had it, it actually did shake you and you decided, Hey, I think what I, what I, my takeaway from what I heard you say is I'm not Peter in the wind anymore. Yeah. This is my life. I'll take ownership of it. There's going to be some work I have to do. And you started making changes by taking ownership and being proactive, including changing your circle, finding new purpose, setting new goals. The rest, as they say, it seems has been history. And now you continue to add to that purpose or contribute to that purpose by helping people to overcome the same. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's my takeaway. And yeah. I think that's Love it. awesome. And I'm not, I'm not a counselor for what we do at Ford Family Services, I I deal with the insurance side and the financial side, the boring side, as we say. But I am, there's not enough of you. There's not enough people. There's not enough uh, resources for people in need, but we are a resource. We'll be a growing resource. We're only just getting started. And I appreciate that you take the time. There, the stigma is weakening. People are talking more about mental health yeah. and, and these sorts of things. And that's that's good. And all we can do is have conversations like this to help people understand that there is help out there. People like you, like Sean, yeah. uh, have gone through very similar things. And like you said, it's not just substance abuse. I've, I've had my own bouts with mental health challenges that have nothing to do with substance abuse, yeah. but that incorporated similar changes in my life that I had to make in order to rise above and achieve different results. And I think that they'll find that programs like IOP and other things we provide, we can help to stimulate that. Yeah. So thanks, awesome. Peter. Awesome. Appreciate thanks you for joining thanks us, for, man. Yeah, thanks for being here. And we look this forward to accomplishing more things and IOP and Ford Family Services in the future. Long run yeah. ahead. Thanks for being on. <laughs> Thank you guys Thanks, for Peter. Me. Yeah, have a good one.